Welcome to the Rich Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this word inspires you, gives you faith, and lifts you up to know that God can and will move in your life. Enjoy the message. I'm in the middle of a, uh, I'm actually on the back side now of a, a series that we've been doing for the last several weeks, and this is part six of Fruit of the Spirit. And we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and how important they are and how relational they are and how um, we cannot conjure up these things in our own power, but it's the Spirit of God living through us and in us that helps us to live out these virtues or these fruit in our lives, right? Uh, So today, uh, we're learning how to build up this body of Christ, not just you as an individual, but also the body of Christ in general. We need an answer for the conflicts and the controversies that we are sure to encounter as we worship and grow and serve together. And so today, we'll be exploring the fruit of the Spirit called peace. And uh, it's, it's the third in the list of nine qualities or virtues that we hope will come to characterize our relationship with, uh, within the church, within the body of Christ, and beyond, at work, wherever that may be for you. And the key verse that we've been talking about and talk, taking all this from is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? So we really kind of make those the three big ones love, joy, peace, uh, patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Last week we learned that love is acting in the interest of others no matter who they are, no matter how we feel or what it costs, right? We still love. And it's a choice. It's a decision that we make. Now, I want to give you the definition of peace that I found. Peace defined, when you read it, it says the absence of war or hostility. And some of you are thinking, that's what I need in my home, right? The absence of war. But, but, but the dictionary also describes peace as the freedom from quarrels and disagreements. Harmonious relations. The Old Testament word for, the, for, for peace is uh, the Hebrew word shalom, which uh, includes the idea of wholeness and well-being. You may have heard people say shalom, peace be with you, right? Um, And so everything being as it should be, that's kind of what shalom would be, everything being as it should be. Now the New Testament, we look at the New Testament from not a Hebrew, but a Greek way, and that is uh, ereni is the word from for Greek. It, w- it is often used in a political sense uh, to kind of describe a town or a village that was well run. We would say a well-oiled machine, right? Where things operated efficiently, where people got along with each other, where prosperity and opportunity prevailed. Interestingly, the leader uh, or official of such a town or village was often known as the peacekeeper. It's the kind of leader who subdues his enemies, who helps the needy, who brings abundance to the land. It's the the role that Deborah, the judge, played in ancient Israel when she not only led the nation to victory over their enemies, 
but brought order and prosperity to the nations. And this is what it said in Judges chapter 14, verse 31, when it's talking about Deborah. It says, tells us that, uh, that under her leadership, the land had peace, listen, for 40 years. Don't tell me that women can't lead. Peace for 40 years. See, when we vote on presidential candidates, Jesus help us. We're looking for a peacekeeper. Someone who cannot only resolve our international conflicts, but who can bring order to Washington, stability to Wall Street, and prosperity to Main Street. To me, that all sounds impossible. But with God, nothing's impossible when God's on our side. And and certainly, peace is what we hope to enjoy as a church or the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. When I say church, I want you to understand that I'm not talking about necessarily these four walls. When I say church, I'm talking about the church across the street and believers across the road and and believers across on the other side of town. We're, We're all called the body of Christ. We're all called the church. But not just for, uh, to, we, we hope that peace is in our church, not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of harmony, order, vitality. Peace is, is easily fragile in the body of Christ or elusive in the body of Christ. The first thing I want us to look at today is the Galatian controversy. You've heard me talk about this. There, there was a controversy in, in the church at Galatia. And as it turns out, the churches in Galatia, the churches that Paul was writing to in this letter, were not enjoying peace or prosperity. In fact, things had gotten pretty ugly. And what prompted Paul to write this and to include peace as one of the big three? What what prompted that? And I want to, you can look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26, but You don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out that relationships are strained in these churches that he's writing to. And I love the way that Paul sneaks up on them in this passage. In verse 19, he begins his list of vices with some of the big things. He says in in verse 19, immorality, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. And right about the time that he's got his readers nodding their head and agreeing with how overtly bad that these things are, he starts listing things like discord, jealousy, rage, ambition, factions, and envy. And just so his readers don't think that those are just interpersonal sins and they're less bad because they're lower on the list, he finishes with some biggies, drunkenness and orgies. And they're like, are you serious, Paul? Uh, are, are jealousy and selfishness in the same league as witchcraft and drunkenness? I guess so. So what was going on in these churches that the relationships were so unhappy and destructive? Listen listen what Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says. This is what Paul was saying. He says, I marvel. That you are turning away so soon from Him. Notice that it's capital. Him, the Lord, Jesus. Who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So what he's saying is this. 
There are some of you that have come in that are teaching things that are not true gospel, that are not truth. And they are perverting the gospel of which we taught. And you're, and you're believing them. And you're moving this way. And Paul is saying, I'm shocked that you're leaving, that, that you're compromising. And, and how many times does that happen in, in the church today? How many times have people come in and they've taught things that are not listed by the Word of God or that, that maybe that we put judgment upon ourselves? I mean, I know some of us talk about old school Pentecost. You know, when I think about old school Pentecost, I think about the move of God when God would move in ways and we just let Him move. However you want to move, God. But a lot of people, listen, a lot of people think about old-time Pentecost as a lot of a, a long laundry list of don'ts. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't wear pants, women. You can't wear makeup. Men, you got to wear long sleeves. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. All these things that we conjured up that make somebody a believer. And Paul is saying... Listen, somebody has come in and started perverting the gospel. Can I tell you what the gospel is about? It's a relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. And so Galatia is north of Judea. I'm going to give you a little bit of, I don't know what you'd call it, just some history here. Galatia is north of Judea in, in an area that we now call Turkey. It's, it's far from Israel. And while some of the believers in these churches were likely Jewish, many of the converts were Gentiles. And uh, they, they were from non-Jewish backgrounds. And when Paul arrived there in Galatia, he preached the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world, for everyone, so that anyone who turns to Christ in repentance and faith can be forgiven of their sins and become a child of God. This was good news, and this is exactly what Paul should have been preaching, right? It meant that anyone could be saved, whether you were a devout Jew or an out-and-out -out pagan. Salvation wasn't a matter of keeping a set of laws of do's and don'ts or, or going through some religious ceremony or being born into the right family or the na uh, right nation. It was simply a matter of trusting Christ. It was such good news that many believed and came to faith in Christ, both from Jewish and Gentile backgrounds, because what that meant was it, it, it leveled the playing field. The trouble began after Paul left when some false teachers worked their way into the community with a different message. They taught that in addition to trusting Christ, a person also had to embrace the practices of Judaism, specifically keeping the Sabbath laws eating kosher food, and being circumcised. And, and, and these teachers came to be known as Judaizers because they were insisting that in order to be a real Christian, you not only had to trust Christ, but you had to essentially become a Jew. And these false teachers were so persuasive that many of the believers had accepted their teaching and were pressuring the Gentile believers to keep the laws and to be circumcised as well. 
And what began as a doctrinal controversy quickly became a social conflict. And as Gentile believers were made to feel like second-class citizens of the body of Christ. They led to a spirit of uh, elitism, uh, elitism on the part of, the, uh, of some of the believers and caused division among the Gentile believers, some of whom agreed that they should keep the law and be circumcised, and others who insisted that this was not the true gospel. And the end result, as we can tell from the letter, is that these once vibrant churches that had been growing had quickly become torn apart by jealousy and judgmentalism. Love was lacking, and their joy had vanished, and now it appears they had no peace. I want to secondly to look at the peacekeeper. Isn't it frightening how quickly a community of faith can be derailed by conflict and how easily a doctrinal or organizational dispute can turn ugly and, and hurtful? I want you to consider a relationship you, you can have a, re- a really good relationship with somebody, a friendship, and then you guys can disagree on something and have this huge blowout, this argument, and you went from having a great friend to no friend at all. It's amazing how the enemy slips in and he uses rage and, and controversy to derail peace in a relationship. I want to read this. Uh, I read a story about a pastor that teaches at a seminary in Singapore. And he describes a terrible season of conflict in his church there in Singapore. It was an international church made up of both Asians and Westerners. And some of the Asian members were resentful and critical uh, of the Caucasian members because they didn't really fit with the majority culture. And at the same time, the the more traditional Chinese members were suspicious and critical of the more westernized Chinese members and and, and had even resorted to, to calling them names, suggesting that they were Chinese on the outside but Anglo on the inside. The conflict became so intense that in a heated moment, the American pastor just lost it and referred to one of the groups as just a bunch of hooligans. They didn't know what that meant. The Chinese believers didn't know what, what, what the word meant, and so they looked it up, and they were pretty mad. It was an awful experience for everyone involved at this church, and, and when it spilled over into the community, the church lost all its credibility to minister the gospel. But it was in the midst of that awful season that this scholar pastor found himself teaching the book of Galatians. And he discovered, discovered that there were uh, some answers for the conflict that he had in his church and was experiencing. The first part of the answer is found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says, You are all sons, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul wants us to understand that Christ alone makes us children of God and that in Christ we are 
one. Cultural differences, religious practices, social status, and physical characteristics no longer matter. Those barriers have been torn down. Those distinctions that used to divide and discriminate have been abolished. We are united and equal in Christ. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what a, a, a denomination you believe, whether uh, we're across the road at a church of Christ or maybe across town at a Baptist church. The thing that matters and that brings us together is not the things that separate us, but it is the relationship in Jesus Christ. Do I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior? If that's true, that's all that matters. Let's do away with all the other stuff that's just fluff. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. And as long as He's Lord of my life, and, and as long as I know that it is only through the blood of Jesus that I can be saved, and I don't have all this, this list of things, let's, let's just push that off to the side. And let's just get a relationship with God. With God. And then let's bring peace into the mix of our uh, boundaries and just destroy those boundaries because we're the body of Christ. What can we do that's more powerful than just being alone? It's being together. Let's be together with things, right? So, so the second part of the answer for this pastor is found in Galatians chapter 5. Where Paul, Paul says in verse 16, he says, in verse 16, live by the Spirit. And in verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And then in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, what Paul's saying is live in the Spirit. This oneness, this unity and equality that Christ has achieved for us can only be experienced when we allow His Spirit to govern our lives and relationships. In other words, if Jesus is our peacemaker, the Spirit is the peacekeeper. If Jesus is our peacemaker, the Spirit is the peacekeeper. I want us to look at something here that takes us to my next point, number three. I want us to look at the upper room. Because we don't know exactly what went on in that upper room in the days after Christ died. But the Gospels kind of give us an, uh, a pretty good idea. We know that there was fear. That's why his followers were, were hiding out in the upper room. Jesus had, had been executed. They could easily be next. There, there was also confusion. What had actually happened? Had his body been taken or was he really alive? It also seems that there was some disagreement among them. The women were convinced that they had seen him, but the disciples had a hard time believing the report. Even when two others came back from uh, uh, Emmaus, and said that they had broken bread with him, the eleven still doubted. Then there was the matter of what to do next. Should they pack up and go home? Back to their fishing nets and tax collecting booths? Or should they carry on with their mission? But then, what exactly was their mission now that Jesus is gone? And, and who is in charge? So, really there was a troubled crew of Believers, Christ followers, gathered in the upper room that day. 
They could have done what churches typically do in times of conflict and controversy. They could have held a business meeting and taken a vote. They could have formed a subcommittee to investigate the empty tomb. They, they could have drafted a new mission statement or maybe even brought in a consultant to do some team building exercises. But the truth is there was only one thing that could bring peace to their troubled hearts and relationship. And that was Jesus Christ himself alive, present, and leading them once again. And sure enough, when Jesus stepped into the room, the first thing that he said was, peace be with you. First thing that he said, peace be with you. In fact, he said it two times. And for that moment, their fears, their concerns, their confusion, and their disagreements were gone. As long as Jesus was with them and in charge, they had peace. Let me tell you something. As long as you allow Jesus to be in charge... Can I tell you something? There's been some times that I've been in a car and the person driving wasn't bringing peace. Anybody else been in that situation? I remember being in Indonesia. I've actually had several, uh, several instances like this overseas, but Indonesia was my very first. And I, I was there with Pastor Ted and Pastor David Soperpena and, and and they, they made me get in the front seat next to the driver. And, I'm, of course, I'm in the opposite seat, and the driver's over here. Pastor Ted and David are in the back. And we're driving through Indonesia, and there was we were in a big city, and it was bumper-to-bumper bumper people, traffic. There were, there were more mopeds than I've ever seen in my life, and every single one of them was honking their horn, and I didn't know who they were honking at or why they were honking because no one could figure out who was honking or why they were honking. But everyone was doing it. Me, 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 me. I mean, it's terrible. And so every... Uh, every sense that I had was on alert. You know what I mean? I mean, I was walking through, uh, dri- driving through this, and I was just like, ah. Uh, and, and so I'm going to run into this. This person's going to run into that. Uh, we're going to kill somebody soon, you know, on a moped. And so we, ch- we finally got out of the city, and we're driving to this location where we had a, the, it was the general council of the Simmons of God for the, for the, the nation of, uh, of, of Indonesia. And, and I, was, I was singing at this, uh, this place and speaking, and, and we were headed there, and we were running a little late. So we were on this road. It was a dirt road, and this road was meant for one car, maybe less than that, maybe a half a car. And um, we're driving next to these houses. I mean, there were houses along the road. And I kid you not, people would, were sitting on their front porch. And as they were sitting on their front porch, our car was driving by. And we were about a foot from their feet. That's how close we were to running over and killing everybody there. And so I'm a nervous wreck. We're now behind a vehicle that has slowed us down because we were not going 20. We were going like 50 and 60. 
And so now I'm, I'm starting to relax because we have just gotten behind a, another vehicle that has slowed down and praise God. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm on this side over here. The driver's over here. The car's in front of us. The way you pass over there is you come over this side. And as we start to pass the car on this small road, I'm thinking, dear God, there is a cart being pulled by an ox headed right for us. And I mean, we're like, he's Florida. We're now going like 50 and 60 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, that ox is going to kill us all. And just as we get past this car, and right before we run into the ox, room, we move over. I mean, I was white-knuckling everything that I could get a hold of. My toes had even... It was terrible. My point is this. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit... Jesus can be in the room and not in charge, and there's no peace. We put Jesus in the back seat, and he's not driving. We're driving. And everybody around us is going, dear God, please get out of the seat and let Jesus drive. And, and that's kind of how it is. We, we lose peace because we're not allowing him to be in charge. And the problem was that Jesus couldn't stay with the disciples. He walked into the room, but he couldn't stay there. And he was returning to his father. He would no longer be with them physically, personally, to calm their fears and settle their disputes and direct their efforts. So he gave them a gift, his Holy Spirit, to be with them. I told you earlier that Jesus is the peacemaker. The Spirit is the peacekeeper. He gave them the Holy Spirit to be with them and, and in them and always be with them and in them. Luke tells us that Jesus spoke to, the, to his disciples of the Spirit's coming. But John's gospel, we read that Jesus actually breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that, that this was more than just a symbolic gesture or, or a pledge uh, but that Jesus actually gave them the Spirit that day. The Spirit that would come on them in all of His fullness some 40 days later on the day of Pentecost when they begin to speak in other tongues. However you interpret it, here's the point. Jesus gave them peace and then He gave them the Spirit to keep their peace. It was the Spirit who brought who, who would bring the rule of Christ to their life and relationships and the ministry for the rest of their lives just as He does for us today. We need Jesus to walk into the room of our situations and our relational divisions. We need Jesus to walk into the room. But we need the Holy Spirit to walk with us to keep the peace. See, like the peacekeeper in a village, the Holy Spirit brings order, brings harmony. And fruitfulness to the body of Christ if and when we allow Him to drive. Last thing I want us to look at today is left Christ out. I, I don't know, is this a statement? Is this a question? Ken, Ken Sandy is the president of Peacemaker Ministries. He was trained as an engineer and a lawyer, but has devoted his entire life to the ministry of reconciliation in the church. 
He tells the story of a church that he worked with in which the elders and the pastor had a serious falling out. And this is what he wrote. They had been at odds for a year. They sent me a thick file of their emails and letters to each other. Something struck me as I read them. There wasn't the slightest reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There were accusations. What you should do, what you fail to do, and copious biblical references. But it was all human focused and human failure. When I met with them, I said, there are real issues here. But how does God factor into his conversation, this conversation? How has the fact that Christ died for your sins affected the way you are relating to one another? There was silence in the room. And after a few minutes, one of the elders nodded and said, we've completely lost sight of Christ in our argument. How does that happen? How do we lose sight of Christ? We're Christians. We're a church. How does that happen? You, you lose sight of Christ when you stifle the work of the Holy Spirit, when you carry on in your own strength, when you pursue your own agenda, your own attitude, your own opinion. And can I tell you something? Sometimes your opinion doesn't need to be heard. You needed to hear that. Sometimes in order to keep peace, the Lord wants you to shut up. I mean, that's just the way it is. And be honest with you, we, we talk about this some, but we laugh at it, and it's true. You cast your pearls before swine. You consider your opinion pearl, and the ones that are not receiving it are the swine. Right? So, so maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But the thing is, is sometimes our opinion only stirs the pot of division and controversy. And oftentimes, I, and here lately, the Lord has really been speaking to me about what is, what is important. Focus on the things that are important. I, I don't want to go through this list of all these things that you don't do and, and what you can do. I want to focus on the things that are important. And what's important to me and to you is my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's important. I, it's not, it's out of my control for me to change. That's not my relationship, or that's not my responsibility. That's, that's the Lord's responsibility. So I give Him control. So should you. Because there are things in your life that the Lord will, be, will begin to reveal to you whether it's right or not. And as you grow in your relationship with the Lord and allow Him to drive the vehicle, to drive your life, He'll bring peace in those areas that you have question about. There, there are a lot of things I could teach you right now about the do, uh, what's right and what's wrong and what will draw you closer to God and what will not. I honestly believe, I truly honestly believe that 
we can have a relationship with God. But if we grow, listen to what I'm telling you, to grow your relationship with God, that's when he begins to reveal some things in your life that should not be there. Did you hear that? You can have a relationship with God, but if you want to draw closer to God and open up the boundaries and expand your territory, the way that you do that is to build your relationship with the Lord. And the only way to do that is to draw close to Him and to allow Him to speak some things into your life that no one else can but the Word of God and Him. Because there are times that people speak to me, and you know what? It's their opinion, and I got it turned off pretty quick. It, it would be like you uh, listening to your mother again to tell you to do something. I love my mother. She tells me right things. She's not here, but I'm sure she'll you may be listening right now. I love you, Mom. But, but, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is there are moments that we have to allow the Lord to speak to us and tell us how to live our life. And that's how we grow. He, he may be saying, you know what, in order to keep peace in your life, shut up. When you go to Christmas holiday uh, and it's a season to celebrate with your family, you don't have to tell your father-in-law how you really feel about his ham. Keep the peace. The best ham I've ever had, it hit the spot in the trash can. <laughs> I've never done that. My father-in-law's in heaven. <laughs> We've lost sight sometimes. And we, we carry our own agendas, our own strengths, our, and we pursue after things that are just for us. And, the, and, and, and so this pastor and these elders, they weren't living by the Spirit. They were living by their own wits and their wisdom. They were throwing Bible verses at each other like they were hand grenades. Instead of asking the Spirit to illuminate the Scriptures for them, they were keeping in step with the Spirit. They were digging their heels and refusing to move forward uh, toward one another or to follow the Spirit in a new direction. They were allowing the Spirit to produce. They, they were not allowing the Spirit to produce these virtues in their life. Patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. All these things that we've talked about. Joy. Peace. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. Invite the Holy Spirit in our relationships to knit us together in love, to fit us together as diverse members of one body because you have to understand and you have to remember not everybody sees everything the way you see it. And not everybody interprets the scripture the way you interpret it. But I want to tell you this. I, we, we talk about interpreting the scripture. And does it really, does this really mean this or does this really mean that? Stay focused on what really matters. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Because it's about your walk with the Lord. When you allow the Holy Spirit 
to speak to you and guide you and lead you, then, then you have this peace. I'll, I'll share with you as I close today. Yesterday was a crazy day for me, and today's going to be a crazy day. Um, we, we have some movers at our house moving out what was there and, and then movers moving in what needs to be there. And, uh, but yesterday morning early, I had an email that I'd received from somebody and and um, they're special to to our ministry and some of the things that were said just really is really hard for me to swallow because I care about what people think I really do I care I, I'm not one of those that just flippantly don't care what you think I, I do care very much so to a detriment I'll be honest and so I replied to this email and my email my reply took a long time for me to write in fact I probably worked an hour and a half two hours on my reply and I addressed everything that was mentioned and I worried all day yesterday I didn't tell Julie but she could tell something was going on with me. About 10 o'clock at night, I finally got to a point where I could get to my phone and, and look at emails or, or whatever. And I pulled up my, my email, and I was sitting in my chair, and I had a reply. <sighs> Took a deep breath. I opened it up because I was very candid. I'm usually not the one that defends myself. I don't usually do that but I felt the Lord lead me to be candid. And I did with a loving heart. And as I read that, read that email, the reply that he gave me, it brought so much peace to me. I had nothing to worry about. And as I shared to him, it opened his eyes to see where I was coming from. And it was a blessing. And I waited till 10 o'clock at night to receive that. And the Lord told me, yeah, see, the enemy almost took your peace the entire day. And you're preaching on it tomorrow. I, I, I just found out how easy it is when we allow sometimes our feelings, our emotions to drive us sometimes. When all we need to do is let the Lord drive us, let the Spirit let the Spirit take control. And it just reminded me, when we've done all the Bible says, as long as it depends on you, as far as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. That's what it says. What that means is, if you've gone to a person because these are all relational. Remember, these virtues, the, the fruit of the Spirit, are all relational. Have peace in your relationships. And so what it says when it means that, or what it means when it says that is that if you've gone to somebody and you said, you know, please forgive me. I, I did this wrong. Or, hey, you know what, we had a misunderstanding and I didn't mean something a certain way. The Bible says if they do not receive that, then You've done all that you can do. 
and you have to move on. And at that moment, those relational, that relation, that peace that, that may not be there, it's, it's not up to you anymore. It's up to the Lord. And so all you can do is pray for those people, right? But you've done all that you can do. I've had to do that in some of my relationships and move on. When we allow the Lord to walk into the room, because a lot of us have rooms in our heart where he is not allowed. You know what I mean? We have these little spaces and we're like, okay, no, 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 God. I, there, Jesus, I don't want you in this. Don't, don't come in this room. When people come to our, our houses, there are some rooms that are shut. Right? I know some of you are perfect and you got your closets all organized and color-coded and everything. You've got labels on your shoes. <laughs> Left, right. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, 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 could, I could say, I got to stay focused. But we have these rooms in our heart where we don't allow visitors or we don't allow Jesus to come into because we want to keep it the way it is. And so in that room, in that space, in our lives, there's no peace there because Jesus is not allowed in the room. But when we say, Jesus, we need you here, and when Jesus walks into the space in that area of your life, he brings with him peace. Because he's the peacemaker. The thing is, this is where we lose it. We don't invite the Holy Spirit to live there. Because the Holy Spirit is the peacekeeper. We need them both. So these virtues that we're learning to live with, they're brought to us when we live in the Spirit. And I truly believe that we can live in the Spirit all the time. I'm going to share this one last thing as we close. and Stand to your feet. I want to remind you that we cannot grow these virtues. We cannot apply these. We cannot conjure up ourselves and our own strength. Peace midst of a storm. You can't. You can't do it. But the thing is, is we don't pray for peace because peace has already been given. We don't pray for peace. He says the, the fruit of the Spirit are. So we've already been given the Spirit of God. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you have the Spirit. You choose whether you function in peace or no peace. You choose. It's a choice. Do you want your opinion heard so there's no peace or not? I, I think oftentimes that's a matter of not using wisdom or using wisdom. You either choose to be wise or you don't. You either choose to be a peacekeeper or function in that or you don't. What does that look like? You have all the peace that you need choose to live with it today. I want us to sing a song. I just want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I, I believe, I said this in first service, I want to say it again because I truly believe this. 
I believe that there are people here today that you have rooms in your life. You have space in your, in your life where the, the peace of God is not there. Relationships that were broken. May, maybe a long time ago hurts that there's no peace. Maybe, maybe something in your life that's causing worry and concern and fear. And you need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus to walk into the room. And you need the Holy Spirit to live there. And I just want you to just to stick out your hands. I just want you to stick out your hands, palms up. And just say, I just want you to say in your own words, say, Jesus, I give it over to you. I hand it over to you, God. I give it over to you. I, I don't want to keep this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't worry over this anymore. I can't fear and I can't fret. But I want to give it over to you, Jesus. Say this to him. Say, just Holy Spirit, come and live in this area of my life where I need peace. Holy Spirit, come and live in this area of my life where I need peace. Help me. Let you drive. Empower me, God to make a choice to live at peace. Help us, Lord. I want you to do this. Just sing this. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Peace be still. Say the word. Just close your eyes and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. 